It is a legal imperative of the first order. It is an international responsibility where all state parties are obliged, it's not a matter of choice, are obliged to secure the immediate release of the hostages as a fundamental international responsibility. That's what it sounded like in Montreal Sunday at a Jewish community rally in Victoria Square, calling for the release of the hostages kidnapped by Hamas three weeks ago from southern Israel. That was, of course, the voice of Professor Erwin Kotler, Canada's former special envoy on anti-Semitism and Holocaust remembrance, addressing the huge crowd. Rallies like that one have taken place across the country in recent days, from Vancouver and Edmonton, on Saturday night in Ottawa, where 600 people gathered on Parliament Hill for a Havdalah service, and then they brought 30 empty baby strollers with them to showcase the Israeli youngsters still being held in Gaza. I know you've seen or heard about the red and white posters being put up in many parts of the world, showing the faces of the remaining hostages, including Vivian Silver, 74 years old, born in Winnipeg, moved to Israel years ago, raised a family there, a widow now. She's devoted her life towards peacebuilding work with the Palestinians and helping Israeli Bedouins. But early on Saturday, October 7th, she was in her home in Kibbutz Be'eri on the phone with one of her sons when the terrorists came into her safe room. They believe she was likely kidnapped and taken hostage. 130 people on her kibbutz were massacred. Her two sons have been working with Canadian authorities to take up her release. Meanwhile, her friends around the world, including here in Canada, are continuing to drum up support and hoping she's still alive and can be released soon. And our goal is just to keep their voices and their messages and their names current and vibrant and in everybody's hearts and in their minds and on their tongues so that they don't get lost in the shuffle of war. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, October 30th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. It's day 24, and in case you've missed it, Israel raised the total number of people it thinks are being held hostage to 230 from 220, and not counting the four who got released. As Israeli troops started their push inside Gaza on the weekend, the remaining hostages' families met with Israel's leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, and asked for a prisoner swap. They're calling it all for all. All the Palestinian prisoners currently in Israeli jails in exchange for all the hostages taken from Israel. Netanyahu assured them the hostages are a priority, but wouldn't comment on how or what's being done. Meanwhile, one of Vivian Siller's Meanwhile, one of Vivian Silver's sons told journalists that as Israel tries to destroy the underground Hamas tunnels in Gaza, where the hostages are believed to be held, he fears it puts his mother's life and the other hostages' lives in greater danger. All this is weighing on the mind of Lynn Mitchell. She's a Toronto social worker. She's also a childhood friend of Vivian Silver. They both grew up in Winnipeg's North End, although Vivian went to Garden City High and Lynn went to St. John's Tech. Mitchell has been speaking out on behalf of Vivian's two sons with their permission, and she joins me from her Toronto home. Thank you very much for having me, Ellen. It's good to meet you. I know that our colleagues uh, on the print side have spoken to you several weeks ago when the first days and hours of the Hamas attack, and you knew that your friend had been one of the Canadians that is still missing. So I'm speaking to you because 
your your team, the family supporters have been reaching out to the media to try to con- keep the story on the sort of front burners of people's attention. Tell me a bit about the strategy, the thinking. Well, I think um, the family strategy is, you know, to keep the message a lot, you know, current and upfront. Absolutely. But also, as you see what happens as I mean, it's in the war is chaos and the the days that are unfolding each day is more terrible than the next. And uh, things happen and people are being killed and uh, there's there's hatred and there's madness everywhere. And all the while, there are these hostages that are being held in Gaza and and people who are still missing and unaccounted for. And that the hope is that the hostages can be released through diplomatic and peaceful and political means. When you see, I don't know how much you follow, but you see social media or news reports of campuses in the North America where people are ripping the posters off, what goes through your mind when you see these things? I mean, what goes through my mind is, you know, what what would what would my friend Vivian say and do she would she would want to say and and I would want to say look I hear you I hear your pain I see your pain please let's will you listen to ours let's just talk to each other let's just have the conversation let's just try please I understand your pain I see the pain in what you're doing by ripping off that thing but let me tell you what you're doing from my perspective as well and maybe we can hear each other and have a conversation and I know, Ellen, that I risk sounding, in Thomas Friedman's brilliant words, like Betty Crocker in Dante's Inferno, or I've, I call it now Pollyanna in Dante's Inferno. But truthfully, in the end, I don't know what other recourse there is. You're a social worker by profession. How are you being of support to Vivian's immediate family? Well, her, her brother and her sister don't want to be the voice they're they're private with their with their story and with their grief understandably so they have their thoughts and their feelings and um i speak with them not not on a regular basis but i do speak with them and with their two sons and every time i get a media request i always make sure they know and i ask them if they would like to be involved and i, I wait for their answer yes or no and you uh, so far, it's always been no, and I make sure that they receive the um, the transcripts of of the of the of the interviews and and we talk about the message and but mostly we just talk about Vivian and what's going on for them around their particular lives and my life and um, with her brother and sister and her sons remembering the wonderful time we had together here just a couple of months ago and. In Toronto, I mean, it, it's it feels surreal. And with uh, my husband and I, we were in Kibbutz Be'eri with Vivian in May, and I know that her apartment doesn't exist anymore. It's been, in the words of her son, burnt to a crisp, and the community has been destroyed. And I'm trying to get that image in my head juxtaposed with the image of the of the beautiful community that it was in May. The two are very hard to reconcile, and it very much feels like a very different world. Back to what you were saying, you speak to them, you check in with them to make sure that it's um, 
going with their wishes. But in terms of your own professional counseling, what can you say? What do you say? What are you saying to them as they're navigating this horror? I say very little. All I can do is listen. And that's the only thing that I do. I just listen. And I think that listening is a highly underrated activity in the world. I mean, I, I think for people who are in pain everywhere, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to talk them out of anything. You just listen. It's when someone is pointing a grenade at you or, you know, doing horrible things to your family. I guess it makes it much more difficult. It's a bit easier when you're far away from the actual massacre and stuff. So how do you think um, Vivian would be, what would she want? Would she be wanting to ransom? Would they, what would she want to be done to get her free? I think she would say, get me out of here, you know. I mean, I want to see my family. I want to see my family again. I mean, on a very human level. But I mean, Vivian was a very nonviolent, is a very nonviolent person. I mean, she believes in nonviolence to the core of her being. So um, I would have to believe that uh, she would want a, a negotiated arrangement, mediation, some some ability to talk this out and get her free and the hostages free that way. Um, is it been confirmed that she is a hostage? Because I got a, a note today from the government. They had seven were murdered, two missing, and they're un unclear about v Vivian's status. Do we actually know? So it is unclear, but my understanding from the family as of, I believe, Tuesday, was that she is considered to be a hostage. Yes. Does she speak but Arabic? No, she tried. She, I know she did take Arabic lessons, but it, it didn't. Uh, I, I don't know how much stayed with her. Does she have any health fine. issues at all? No, mm -hmm. no. She's very fit, seventy-four-year-old. Uh, when um, we were interviewing the Canadian minister um, Yara Sachs two weeks ago, she was telling the media that the best thing for families to do is to not talk, because it will could make the hostages more valuable to the Hamas, and so to be stay quiet. Uh, are you aware of that? And what do you make of that? You know, I, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not a mediator strategist. I really don't know what to make of that. I'm just going with what the family has agreed. Uh, and um, the only message is that Vivian would and the family want negotiations to release the hostages of a nonviolent as non, you know, nonviolence as, as a medium. Mm -hmm. Are all those pictures that they have that have been placed up? Does, is there one of her? Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. Have you been putting them up? What have you been doing? <laughs> I have not been putting them up, but um, I was in a, a cafe with my grandchildren for lunch. They had the news channel on. The five-year-old and the six-year-old said, Baba, look, there's Vivian. They saw her on the news feed. Why is Vivian on the news? And what did you tell them? How do you tell a five and a six-year-old? A five and a six. I said, well, because she's missing and people are looking for her. And, you know, and then the French fries came and that seemed to, fortunately, that was a distraction for them. And it was, you know, and I was able to calm my heart rate down and, and they were able to eat their lunch. And in terms of what I'm doing, just, I and the family is appreciative of all the interest in her and her story. And I'm just saying yes to whoever asks me 
about Vivian and about her story and about her message. Walk me through what your day to day is now. Um, what do you do? How do you how do you pass the time? Well, I'm still working. I still see clients. This week, I've been babysitting for my grandchildren for, you know, on a live in basis, and that's a wonderful distraction. Um, but I I I find that um, there are moments of of despair and darkness. And uh, in those times, I think, you know, one of our relatives from Israel, her grandson, did a poster and she sent me a copy of it. And it said, Na'avor et Zebiachad, we will get through this together. And I think at those times, I look to supportive voices, the, the media addiction, the CNN, the MSNBC, the you know, the fox, the addiction, it, it's there, you can't help it. But when it gets to you, it's a good antidote to to look for support, family, friends, and, now, and stay away from the negative. Right. I was going to say your kids, you were mentioning your grandchildren, do they go to Jewish school where they'd be in danger of um, a need police protection? Yes, all of them go to Jewish day schools. Um, my oldest grandson is at Chad. And of course, they experienced that. Um, so that was a uh, well, it was a traumatizing experience. And, you know, I remember when my when I have three daughters and when they were growing up thinking, oh, this is, you know, because my parents are immigrants from Eastern Europe and they, you know, they came in the in the mid 20s. So they escaped from the, you know, the pogroms. And that. I, I grew up with all of that. And, and the family that didn't come, there's two of their sisters were lost in the in the Holocaust. And actually, I remember the 1950s as the search for missing sisters, which is what it feels like now with Vivian, you know, that it feels like that all over again. And I remember when my kids were growing up thinking, oh, well, maybe they'll grow up without that, you know, and then here we are again. Here we are now. We're not missing it. This this generation is not missing it. I'm not missing it. My children aren't missing it. My grandchildren aren't missing it. And as far as, you know, you're a social worker and you said listening is the best way for you to help families who are undergoing trauma. But this is kind of a trauma is different. This waiting is something completely different. I wonder how if you could speak to what that's like for a family and what it does to somebody when the unknown and where they are for so long. Uh, just just to be there as support. And and as listening, when there is hysterical tears at the other end of the phone, I just listen. I just listen. I don't, you know, you can't go anywhere. You can't talk them out of it. You can't offer solutions. You can't. You have to get through those feelings. They're so real and they can take you over if you don't allow them their free expression. So... Can you speak to what the boys are doing uh, in Israel now, her sons? They went there or they live there? Well, one of them lives there and the other one is uh, temporarily doing a post-fellowship at an, um, an American university in archaeology. But he's gone back to Israel now um, to be with his brother. And they're just doing what they can. I know there's a lot of um, trying to strategize, trying to trying to figure out next steps. And where is the where is the brothers where are they staying? They're not in Kibbutz Berry. They didn't live there, did they? They grew up there, but no, they're in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. 
They did DNA. They gave DNA, I assume. They did. So far, so good. But there's still a couple hundred bodies they haven't found yet. I know. They haven't identified, yes. Okay. Is there anything you want our listeners to understand about what the Canadian government should be doing or what you want Canadians to be doing? I hope that um, our government is doing whatever it can. I know that the Canadian government met with the family. The Minister of Foreign Affairs met with the family. And that was very much appreciated. And I think it was felt that the Canadian government was taking it seriously. I just hope they're doing whatever they can. I mean, Canada has traditionally had a role as a peacemaker. And in terms of Canadians, I would hope that we can see a dampening down of hatred on all sides so that sanity returns and that our communities start to feel welcoming and peaceful again because it doesn't feel that way right now. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. I appreciate you taking this time to be with us at the CJN Daily. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ellen, for having me. By the way, there is a Facebook group that Vivian's family and friends have started calling for her release. It's called Missing Vivian Silver. So if you're on Facebook, I put the link for you in our show notes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. I mentioned at the start of the show there were vigils held across the country by Jewish groups, including this one in Toronto at Earl Bales Park on Sunday. People brought life-size cardboard cutouts of the hostages, and Melissa Lansman, Thornhill's MP and deputy leader of the Federal Conservative Party, addressed the crowd. So here's a bit of what that sounded like to end the show. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. Demand more of law enforcement, demand more of university administrators, demand more of everyone.